This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Loose Units. I'm Paul Verhoeven and my dad, John Verhoeven, is with me. And this episode, dad and I are finally going to delve into some stories that we've been circling around for some time. And this is a very, very heavy episode. And we just want to let you know up front that we will be discussing suicide and bullying. So consider this your trigger warning. If this isn't your kind of thing or if you worry that you'll be triggered, please feel free to skip this episode and tune in next episode. And, you know, just take a breather and join us next time. But before we get into any of this, we do think it's very, very important, Dad, and I think it's super crucial to reach out and talk to people if you're struggling or if you're having like really bad thoughts. So we'd like to give you some numbers up ahead. Uh, Lifeline's number, if you want to give them a call, is one three double one one four, and you can also call Beyond Blue. They're a fantastic service on one three hundred double two four six three six. And we'll be giving those numbers again at the end of the episode. So don't stress if you haven't got them. But yeah, this episode's obviously going to be pretty, pretty intense, but we think it's very important. And dad, you've been wanting to tell these stories a lot throughout this season of Loose Units. And you mentioned to me that something happened to you when you were running on the beach recently. Yes. um, Well, firstly, hi to everyone. So a couple of things about this whole thing, Paul. One of them is that, um, because I know the listeners like to hear all the little tidbits. Is it TIT or TID? It's definitely tidbits. T-I-D. Tidbits is a whole other podcast. I love tidbits too. So all the listeners know my little preamble about soft sand running, <laughs> God, and ocean swimming. and But it's getting so cold in the ocean that, I mean, I haven't thawed out yet. And I've had a hot shower. Right, but home, you, so. you, because you run, I mean, you run your soft sand. We like to make a lot of fun here at Loose Units about Dad's incessant talk about his soft sand running and his ocean swimming. But the, the, I guess the point is that it was this soft sand running and ocean swimming that sort of dumped you neck deep into this anecdote you're about to tell us, yeah? That's right, yeah. Thanks for bringing me yeah. back on track, Paul. I really appreciate it. And I probably need it. So I've, there's a fair bit of trepidation surrounding this topic or these topics. Um, you know, this is probably the podcast out of all the ones we've ever done. We've been going years for some now. years now. Yeah. In fact, if I look out our kitchen window, I can see a lovely sort of 1910 apartment. And funnily enough, it's called Kyoto, which is a place we've all been to. But you and Tegan stayed there two years ago 
Uh, it was an Airbnb. And you and I sat in this weird, tiny little room with a sloping floor. Mm. And we recorded some of our very first, in fact, maybe even the first podcast. Isn't that amazing? We did. We recorded the, yeah, we recorded the very, very first Loose Units. If you go back and listen to episode one, I'll be honest, Dad, it sort of sounds like it was recorded in a tiny kitchen across from you. That's, you know, yeah. It did, it did. But Paul, um, the the topics that we're going to discuss today have always been in the back and sometimes the front of my mind, and they're tough topics to talk about. You were telling me that you got in touch with Beyond Blue to brief them over this particular podcast? Yes, we actually really were We were planning on collaborating with Beyond Blue, but they've just been flooded with requests lately and they just couldn't fit us in. But they, you know, we've really wanted to kind of do due diligence and sort of make sure mm. that everyone has all the correct... Yep. We, we yep. don't want to mess up the terminology. This no, is a no. really, really fragile thing, you know. Yeah, and I want everyone to know that Paul and I are really fair income, and I'm sure you all know we are, but we're super fair income uh, on this particular topic topics. And a lot of people don't, they sort of... These are the topics in life that people just don't talk about uh, for lots of reasons. Um, so we're, we're going to get right into it. Mm. So back to what you were saying, Paul. I was running with a, a mate of mine on the beach. Um, and just to sort of re or just to sort of let the listeners know once again what I do is that I wake up about quarter to six. Um, I live in the city and I drive in the dark because it's winter in my ute to Queenscliff Beach. I get out, it's it's pitch black. I meet up with a mate, a Danish friend, and um, we soft sand run. We run from Queenscliff to Manly and back. It's so cold that after about, I guess, maybe two or three minutes, if you can imagine having local anaesthetic, numerous injections just pumped into your feet, my feet mm. go completely numb. And, it's, it's, and sometimes there's a wind blowing and... Okay, trust me, Paul, I'm getting to the point. So we're running along a few mornings ago and we heard a fire engine and it was coming from the north down into Manly. And I said to my, my Danish friend, I said, oh, that's, uh, that's 69. He said, oh, 69, what's that? I said, that's DY Fire Station. And we could hear the siren coming down. And what DY Fire Station invariably did, because every single fire call, you always have two vehicles responding. Sure. So Manly had gone to an incident and generally, it's an automatic fire alarm, AFA for short, and invariably um, either Mossman or uh, DY back them up. So we could hear the siren, and 99 times out of 100, they come via the beach. They come into Manly, but I could also hear the other siren. It was like an echo, and I said to my friend, oh, that's 24, that's Manly. So there are two, we could hear distinctly two fire engines. And we're running along and it's pretty dark and it's freezing. And when 69's motor um, passed us, it was sort of above us because we're down on the sand, it's heading into Manly. And I'm, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I said to my, my friend, I said, look, we can't smell any smoke. And so it's probably an AFA. And then I heard a third appliance and it was north of um, where we were. D.Y. had already passed us, and it was coming down the same route. And then I thought, hang on a sec, that's three fire engines. That's weird. And I said to my friend, I said, you can't smell any smoke. There were strong winds blowing, and if there had been a fire, we definitely would have smelled something. And sure. I instinctively said to, uh, his name's Chris, I said, Chris, it's probably an incident at North Head. And on the balance of probabilities, 
knowing what I know, it's more than likely someone has uh, died by suicide. Has, yeah, has died by suicide, mm. and we kept running. Now that was just a weird conversation based on I'm just putting together some some facts that I as I saw it, based on my experience. We finished our run. We're sitting on a bench having a coffee. Mm-hmm. We look out and down towards Manly and past towards sort of North Head around the headland. And all of a sudden I see, can you guess what I saw? No. I saw a police launch. And they'd come between the heads, come out from, from Sydney. Oh, you mean like, okay, so they'd sent a boat out. They'd sent okay. a boat, which is standard procedure. Uh, yeah. And I saw and it had the red and blue lights flashing. And that was sort of that final seal where I said to my friend and in a funny sort of sad way, he was pretty impressed with my powers of deduction. Hmm. I mean, for me, it wasn't rocket science, but it was where everything just fell into place. Everything aligned and then I realized that, um, you know, my my sad sort of thoughts and fears were were definitely uh, Found realized. So, uh, yeah. so on the balance of probabilities... Um, and it would not have been a rock fisherman because the seas were calm, they were like a mill pond. Right. So, uh, yeah. And yeah. then I, I had myself, as a young firefighter at Manly, I'd been to numerous, um, you know, uh, incidents at North Head yeah. where people had uh, had jumped. Uh, so, yeah, that, so that's sort of pretty intense. You obviously dealt with a lot of uh, death by suicide when you were in the police force and... I think this season of Loose Units began with a pretty harrowing story about, or maybe it was halfway through the series. It's been a very, very, you know, we're past 30 episodes for this season. So we've, you've told a lot of stories uh, to myself and the listeners. But I think the thing that you kept saying to me off the mic was that, and I wasn't aware of this, was that bullying was a really, really big problem in the fire brigade. And as someone who was very badly bullied, that really resonated with me. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes. Um, do you mind if I go back just a little bit? Or would you like me to sort of dive in there and see where it takes us? Where were you going to go back? Well, I was going to go back to when I was a little boy in Armadale. You encountered a lot of um, death by suicide in your in your different you know iterations of emergency services. But how early, how far back do you recall having encountered this as a thing? I was living in Armadale, yeah. and um, I would. Oh, have you been were a kid. So this was when you were a, a kid. kid. Yeah. Jesus. Okay. And we had a uh, a babysitter, and her name was Mrs. Simpson. And uh-huh. she had black curly hair and glasses, and she was, I guess, the quintessential. If you had to do a caricature of a uh, of a babysitter, uh, she would have been definitely um, of the type, right? And she had two boys. One of them was a uh, was a lovely guy who was. I remember him. He would have been late teens. He was sort of a knockabout sort of a guy. He struck me as being kind of a guy that had work on the land, you know, calloused hands, um, you know, big sort of riding boots and, you know, pretty good style of a bloke. And then the older brother had glasses and he he was uh, practicing to be a lawyer, mm-hmm. a solicitor. And, you know, it's, it, Armadale's a country town with about 25,000 people. Uh, this is in the 60s. And I remember my mother telling me that the younger son, who was the sort of the knockabout guy, and this is where you, and I'm saying that, I'm punctuating the fact that he was a knockabout sort of guy in a country town because it's 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 apt in terms of the context of where this story is going. And that is that, and it's all about you can't make judgment or you pre. we all do make sort of preconceptions about people and quite often we're wrong. 
yeah. but this particular guy, he um, he was gay. And what happened was he found it so difficult in Armadale and because of um, the environment, he, he took his own life. Um, and his mother, Mrs. Simpson, our mm. babysitter, and she was more, more than a babysitter. She was, used to look after my sisters when mum had to go back to, to teaching. Yeah. So she was basically there, you know, pretty well every day during the week. <clears throat> and um, she came home one afternoon and she found um, her son <clears throat> who'd um, used, used a firearm and he'd, he'd shot himself um, under his bed in his bedroom. And um, uh, what a terrible discovery for the, the poor mum. Yeah. And it all came out all because he was gay and he, he just didn't know how to to reconcile and and obviously thank thankfully things have dramatically changed but that's the first time as a young kid i became um aware that someone had taken their own life yeah so that was pretty uh pretty heavy at the time but i didn't fully grasp you know all all the subtle nuances associated with that particular incident um, the um uh, rural australia has a real it's it's a bit of a you know if you'll forgive the word pandemic. I mean, uh, Tegan and I were staying in Mafra with Tegan's folks, and we it was around Christmas, and we were told that there was this gorgeous house that had this incredible Christmas lights display, and, and all the money went towards charity. And we drove up there and had to turn off our GPS, and it was really hard to get to. And as we ran this corner, it's like the whole the whole farm has been turned into this winter wonderland sort of thing there's different installations and there's the amount of lights there could have comfortably lit up a capital city like it was incredible so much love had gone into this place and as we're rounding the corner around one of the displays there was this huge christmas tree covered in baubles and there were pens and pieces of paper next to it and we read this sign and it basically said uh if you've lost a loved one um to uh suicide then can you in memory of them make a donation and maybe write their name on, on a bauble and pop it on the tree. And we look at the tree and it was, Dad, this was like three meters high, covered, like not a single space on this thing. And all the proceeds went to um, Beyond Blue, uh, I believe in memory of uh, the guy who ran the farm. Uh, I, I think maybe his brother passed away um, from suicide. And it was just, we didn't realize it was so prevalent in that part of the country. Mm-hmm. And Beyond Blue is one of those organizations that will just talk to you. And I think that is such an amazing service um, yeah incredible yeah. <clears throat> it's um it's it's not good um particularly if you're feeling terrible and um you just feel that no one can understand or or, or no one's listening or you don't want to trouble them or you know there are so many um things that must go through the minds um and statistically it seems to be more more males, but I think that, look, I'm not, okay, I'm going to give myself a bit of a, an indemnity here by saying, you know, I, I'm not an expert, however, I, I can uh, I can tell the, the dear listeners that, you know, over 20 years I've had my more than my fair share, and of course I did end up in forensics, and, um, you know, one of, the, one of the many things that I used to do was go to, uh, to suicides. <clears throat> And uh, I went to numerous, too many, far too many to to re- remember. Yeah. But I don't. I'm trying to sort of be somewhat chronological. Um, I'd, I'd also like to, before we go go deep, I also want to talk about um, 
when I went to Beacon Hill High School. Yes. They had an initiation day. Did they ever do that at your school, any of your high schools? I'm not schools? sure. Oh, is that where you kind of go along to the school and they sort of just show you around? Or is no, this no, more no. Like this is where they would hang boys by the tie. What? On the, down on the soccer field, on the, uh, on the goalposts. Wait, what? Yeah, hang them by the neck. Hang on. When you say they, who are you talking about? Mainly the sixth form bullies. Yeah, I, as you'll know, Dad, I um, had a really bad time with bullies, but at no point was I hung by the neck. Yeah, Beacon Hill High, that was one of the things they used to do. And of course, um, you know, pretty well, well, obviously every single time the tide break, Mm. which is a good thing. Yeah. Um, The police force in New South Wales to stop people choking police officers by the neck with their ties, develop the, uh, the clip-on tie. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And that came about purely from a safety point of view. And that wasn't just because police officers weren't deft enough with their fingers to actually tie ties. It was <clears throat> well, I actually was very good at doing it, and I used to do what was called the double knot. The double knot? Yeah, I did a double Hang knot. Hang on, like a, like, a, like a Windsor kind of thing? Like a double yeah, Windsor? Yeah, I like think a... that's what it's called, the big fat thing. Which not the in... school tie knot, which isn't really a no, proper no. knot. It's just no. It's a... And it was amazing when I joined the police force and they handed us the tie to wear, which looked pretty mm. smart, but it was just a yeah. clip-on thing. Sure. And that's, okay. as I said, so no one could, could grab your tie and choke you. Um, um, so the, the bullying at, at, at my high school was um, from day one, but this also um, leads me to something, and that is that bullies pick on 
on the weakest, the most vulnerable. And it's like the, the big cats, you know, how they, they pick on a particular animal within the herd and right. they, they focus and they, cause they know, like they'll go for the, for the, the slowest, the weakest, and they'll, they'll wear them, they'll run them down. Well, the problem with bullying is that they don't go for the slowest or the weakest. They go for sometimes the gentlest, the quietest. These yes. aren't signs. Yeah. I mean, this, these aren't actual signs of weakness from an evolutionary no, standpoint. No, of course not. But if but you it's are a perceived, quiet, it's a perceived yes. difference. It's a, yep. it's a, it's a chink in the armor with these these people. And yep. um, and 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 make no mistake that that girls um, bully as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been involved in numerous um, incidents, mainly in the police force. Horrendous cases of right. bullying. One of the things I'm very curious about is obviously the implication here is that bullying can push people over the edge and um, push them to a point where they might want to take their own life. That's and right. obviously that is an incredibly complex fraught issue and we're not experts by any means. But uh, how often did this happen in your experience during the emergency services? Because I know that you mentioned in passing, and I haven't wanted to mention this on the mic, but you have told me about statistically how many people... I mean, do you want to talk about your time in the fire brigade? I know we can, mm. or do you want to work chronologically? <clears throat> no, no, I'll, we'll chat about the fire brigade and we can come back to the police force okay. um, later. But when I joined the New South Wales fire brigades, we were at um, the, the training academy was at Alexandria and there were 10 people, 10 guys in my class, mm-hmm. um, including me. And I remember the, the makeup of of the the people in my class i can remember in minute detail the yeah. the the, uh, the character characters um, you know I, I remember exactly what they look like you know their backgrounds um, their attitudes towards certain things and there was one guy in my class and um, i felt sorry for him and i god i hope that doesn't come across badly but i genuinely well, compassion um, is, you know, not a bad thing. No, but I, I genuinely, I've always, um, sort of, in a group situation, if I see someone that's vulnerable, yeah, or not having a good time, or a bit sad, or lonely, or quiet, I'm, I am drawn to those people um, because I, perhaps partially, um, I'm inquisitive as to why they're feeling that way. But um, you know, I'm not sort of saying I like to go and just help people, but. You know, I think it's important to be inclusive. Yeah. And it was a small class, and I'd come from the police force, so I'd, I'd I'd been around. And this particular guy, he'd been a school teacher, and pretty well from day one, there were certain um, people. One in particular, there was a bully in our class. He knows yeah. exactly who he is, and mm-hmm. um, smart ass fuckwit, and um, and that's what I think of him now. So he just needled this this guy, and this guy who um, had been a school teacher, he was very vulnerable. And one of the things that this bully and a few others used to do is they regularly used to put um, eggs in his boots, soft, like uncooked eggs, and it happened so many times and he'd go to put his boots on and he'd crush the egg as his foot went down into these. These were the big knee-high boots. And I'd be sort of just an observer, but... You could see the vulnerability, and and he had a sadness in his um, in his eyes, and I'm not speaking with the benefit of hindsight. I'm actually speaking as I saw it at the time, um, and it's obviously le- left a bit of a mark on me because that happened pretty well 
30 years ago. Pretty well, probably this year. Right. Yeah, actually 30 years this year. And I remember him. And uh, Christian and I, we had a barbecue at the end of uh, the season, like our, you know, the end of class to celebrate. And we had it at our place and we invited everyone. And then we all went out as a group, the 10 of us, and we went to Chinatown. And I remember he wore... I mean, tell me this isn't bizarre that I remember such detail. So it obviously had a bit of an impact. And I haven't actually thought about this particular um, night until now. But I even remember the shirt he was wearing. He was wearing a paisley shirt. And I remember that a couple of the guys, just a few, um, really bagged him out. And it made him feel very uncomfortable. This is the beginning of the night. And he, um, yeah, you could sense that he was uh, awkward. Uh, he was really smart, like, but and he was sensitive. Years later, I found out that he took his own life, um, which I found very upsetting. And I'm not in any way saying that he took his life as a result of anything that happened in our class. Uh, it was, right. in fairness, some time later, probably maybe 10 years later. But the tragedy is that um, he took his own life. And you recall when I did my apprenticeship? Yes. Uh, the tool-making The tool-making yeah. thing, which, um, for the record, I hated every second of it, okay. but only for the entire duration of, of the apprenticeship. And I, and I mean, I absolutely detested it uh, for lots of reasons. I was miserable. When I was doing my apprenticeship, I was probably in my third year, and this young guy, he was 15 at the time, he had blonde hair, he was a Really sweet kid, he came in and he was just sort of trying out, um, seeing whether he'd like to do an apprenticeship at this particular firm. Yeah. And, you know, I sort of took him under my wing and showed him the ropes and, you know, it was it was difficult for me because I, I wanted to say to him, look, get the fuck out of this place. But, you know, I couldn't. And, why couldn't uh, you? And then years later... Dad, why couldn't you? Um, well, it was I mean, just... My- the, just- just theoretically, could, why couldn't you? And and um, I also something also occurred to me during the last story about the fire brigade stuff. At any point during that bullying of the guy, did you not think about maybe saying something? Um, I I said lots of things to lots of people all the time. Oh, like oh, what? God, like yeah. what? What kind of steps did you? I mean, first of all, I'm not saying that you had to, but um, obviously, as someone who was bullied there are many circumstances in which I would have just loved someone to speak up. Like I had friends who would just stand there and sort of watch because I think they just thought it was, you know, just like the weather, it's the thing mm. that happens. Paul just gets bullied. So I'm, I'm yeah. very curious as to well, okay, what, Paul. what steps um, it, 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 it was a kind of, um, it was sort of a kind of a bullying environment. The bullying right. came from the top. Is this sorry? Is this in the is this in the, the fire academy. proper or is this at oh at the academy? Now, when you talked us through your time at the academy, um, there were various stages, as I recall, as the numbers were getting whittled down. At what stage of the training was this? Oh, well, in relation to the bullying for, of this particular guy, would have been in the first. Let's say the training went for maybe four months. So this is the first intake before you end up... Because I know at one point you ended up in like a building in the city jumping through a jungle gym. This is before that. Oh, no, that was recruiting. That was the recruiting process. This is once we've all been accepted into the New South Wales Fire Brigades, all 110 of us for that entire year. Okay. Yeah. So this guy's um, already made the cut. He's already already proved that he's got what it takes. He's in our class, a class of 10. Okay, so... Sorry, that's, that's a really interesting 
quirk to this because I just thought there would be a certain dog eat dog eliminate the week attitude if everyone's effectively auditioning against Oh, you mean like when I was doing the exam at New South Wales University and the guy had a heart attack next to me and I just looked down and then kept going? Yeah, that's pretty stressful, though. Yeah, um, but I needed I to think, do that because I, I needed to get into the fire brigade. And, you know, that's, but, I, that. but, but I mean, if you'd given him the heart attack, that would be a, a better analog for this for this story. But mm. I guess what I'm saying is there is something about the competitiveness and the relentlessness of an audition environment that wouldn't forgive it, but would at least explain it in certain types of dickheads. Whereas once you've all crossed the line and made it through and have proven that you're all part of this fraternity, logically speaking, in my head at least, my naive head at least. I'm thinking, well, he's one of us. Why would we push him around? And you're saying that clearly wasn't the case. Yeah, but we're all, we all came from different backgrounds. Uh, we're all yeah. in many, many different ages. You know, mm. there were there were there were people in my class that I regarded as relatively immature. Mm. I, you know, in their teens, eighteen, nineteen year olds, and, yeah, there were, yeah. and there were guys in their forties. That's a big difference in a class, of course. And um, it doesn't take long. Because of, because of my background in the police force, I already had respect from the um, the teachers, teaching staff. Yeah. I'd been around. But what I will say in relation to this guy being bullied and, and anyone yeah. that I ever see being bullied and anyone that knows me knows that if I give them that look, in other words, the offender, the bully, I, I, I only have to give them the look and they get the message. But it's not the sort of bullying where you go up and you actually grab them and throw them away from or get drag them off. It's not that sort of that's not the bullying. A lot of it's psychological. And yeah. also you don't always know how how things are being taken or misconstrued by the, the victim as well, because um you know, if you're a very sensitive person, a lot of things can really upset you. Um because you mm. you can kill someone with a word. Um yeah. a, a good deed you can you can elevate, you can put down um, in domestic violence situations throughout this country and, and throughout the world, um, mainly men. That's an undeniable fact. Um, yeah. They don't necessarily have to have to smack or hit or choke or bash their partner. They could. There are other in, more, more insidious ways of of psychologically torturing. And, it, and, yeah, it's, it's, and, um, and there, there are no scars, no no physical no, scars. The lady doesn't no. come; she's not bruised. You know, she doesn't have a black eye. And then the terrible so, thing also is that people, women, like a friend of mine, she works at an auction house, and she had a black eye a couple of months ago, and she'd walked into a cupboard. But as a protective male who'd been in the police force and had seen lots of bad shit, um, I've seen women beaten to death. So. Yeah. You know, but the natural reaction for a lot of people is, "Oh shit, someone's hit you." And that's and not you always can talk the case. to me. And what's interesting is, I'd learned about this recently. I was having trouble quantifying what kind of bullying I went through, and there were a few really obvious and very intense, specific incident, like instances of where people would inflict very bad violence on me, or really, really, really over the Shocking. top stuff. I, I just, it, your mother and I went up to to your school. Um, as the listeners may or may not recall, um, a guy had got a welding brush and, and taken out the back of your knee. And uh, we went up to the school. That's two ex-police officers fronted the school. And the deputy principal um, at St Paul's Manly, God, it feels good saying that, um, they tried to apportion blame to you. And you were, and as listeners 
may or may not know, but I will re restate, is that you are a true pacifist and a good bloke to boot. And these, oh God, it, we had to literally threaten um, serious legal action against yeah. the school and against yeah. this particular guy. I mean, you know, it, bullying is, um, you know, you used to be held on the bus and as a parent, to be a parent and if you've got a child who's being bullied at any age, um, I mean, imagine if you're a parent and you've got, or you're a brother or sister and you've got a sibling in the military, for example. What happens if they're in the Army, Navy or Air Force and they're in their mid-20s, they're in their 30s, they're in their 40s, They've still got parents alive and they're being yeah. bullied. Yeah. The, the the grief and the sadness and the frustration and that terrible feeling that because it, bullying has no no age barrier. No, and it's you really know, elderly people it. get boiled uh, yeah. get get bullied. My my father's just gone into a nursing home which is a fucking nightmare. And um you know there are people in that work in these and these nursing homes, and they bully elderly people. It's 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 it is it's so insidious, and and people bully also, and and often get away with it because they 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 pick their moment. You know, there are lots of ways to bully. Um, Can I run something by you? So yep. one of the things I learned recently because I was doing some research on bullying because obviously I tried not to look very hard at what I went through because it's traumatic but one of the things that i learned about were microaggressions which is effectively where someone does a small thing hundreds of times Mm. and you can't point to any specific incident but it adds up it's like a toxin that accumulates Mm. in the bloodstream right yeah yeah so what you're effectively up against is you can't point to any one thing and go well they did this but you're basically creating this constant deluge of tiny problems and obviously people who are um, from different minorities, ethnic backgrounds, different genders, you know, um, they're from the LGBTI community or whatever, they're way more susceptible to this stuff. But for some reason, if you've attracted the ire of a group of Neanderthals and let's say you're in a very male-heavy area like the fire brigade and let's say you're a very gentle soul, then what you might be up against is a daily barrage of tiny moments which just chip away at you and it's that stuff that you have to really look out for and i think if i can beg listeners to do anything it's that if you see this shit happening just call the person out on it because these little things might seem little but when you see a little thing happening that's not the only time it's happening it's happening all the time it's happening behind your back it's in a look it's in an email it's in the inflection of their voice some people just enjoy eating away at other people and I think you actually can, to a degree, weigh in and help, I think. Mm. Yeah. Well, the the young guy that um, came along, you said to me, why couldn't I tell him not to, you know, yeah. work there? Well, you can't because he may have really liked it. Yeah. Just because I hated it doesn't mean everyone else hates it. But anyway, look, he ended up being in my class as well. So, and he was a lovely guy. A couple of years ago, he... Um, he took his own life. Yeah, so that was out of a class of 10 in the New South Wales Fire Brigades. Um, I hate to use statistics, but I will because it's really impactful because hmm. it sounds really bad. And I can say that 20% of my class took their own lives. So of the 10 of us, two took their own lives. I'm not going to um, 
We can talk so, more about that next episode yeah. if you like. Because what's happened, folks, is that we've reached the end of an episode and there's so much more to talk about. So I think what we're going to do is we're going to turn this into, and you've probably noticed this by now if you've seen the title of the episode, but we're going to turn this into a two-parter. So we will wrap this episode up and we will continue on Tuesday. So obviously, it's been a very heavy episode, but if you are feeling susceptible, if you want to reach out and talk to somebody, if you're struggling, and it's totally fine to struggle, by the way, there is nothing wrong with feeling the things you're feeling. So if you want to give anyone a call, Lifeline is a fantastic service. Their number is 131114, or Beyond Blue, who we've mentioned a few times, they're incredible. And their number is 1300 224 636 and those numbers will be available in the little description box in the text below the episode so you can grab those anytime we will see you next week for more loose units bye bye cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue also you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states united healthcare short-term insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage for you learn more at uh1.com a lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.